Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Okay, open up to James chapter 1. There has been a lot going on here at Heart of the Father, a lot of good, but also a lot of difficulty. If you are in relationship with a couple of people, a lot of people seem to be going through some things. And so this, the message this morning, I, I want to try to speak to uh, maybe a time and season we're in as a church. If you want to put a title on today's message, it's called Temptations, Trials, and Testings. We're going to hit all the T's. God is in the midst of transforming us as a people. He is transforming us and he is conforming us into the image of his son. I want to read these two passages over you. I've been praying this, uh, these passages over this body this past week. It's Philippians 1. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And also Romans 8. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, for whom God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So there's temptations, there's trials, there's testings in this body but I want you to know there's transformation that's happening. If you could just take a step back a little bit. What's God doing? He's transforming us. He's conforming us more and more into the image of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's hard. It's difficult. But God will get us through it. He will finish his work. When I think about temptations, trials, testings, something that's really important that we need to um, we need to carry we need to carry discernment. I think it's really easy to confuse. What are you saying, babe? Pull this down. I don't know what's up. Sure, I'm trying to pull it away from my beard. Okay. Temptations, trials, and testings, guys, it's really easy to confuse those things. And without discernment, you don't know how to respond. Now, there's some bleeding in in between testings and trials, temptations. Sometimes it, it looks the same, but discernment is really important for you to know what you're going through, who's behind it, and how should you respond. And we're going to get into some examples here in a moment, but let's hit this first one of temptations. And I ask you to open up to James chapter one. Are you there yet? Okay. 
And one of the things I want to do at the end of this message, I do want to leave some time for some altar ministry. I feel like there needs to be a response today. We, as a core team, we met this morning, the elders, deacons, and the staff, and I just shared briefly what I'm going to be talking about, and we want to be able to pray and minister together at the end of this message. Um, So I'm going to be diligent to work my way through it. But temptations, let's read uh, James chapter 1. Verse 12, here's what he says. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning." So in verse 13, James makes it really clear one of the first things about temptations. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So we have to establish temptation does not come from God. He does not tempt you or allure you to do evil and to sin. Temptation comes from whom? The tempter, Satan, the devil. He came to Jesus in Matthew 24. It says he came as the tempter, trying to cause him to sin, trying to cause him to disobey the Lord. The second thing that's kind of, it's it's interesting when you read these passages, we know Satan is the tempter, but James doesn't just come out and say that. You notice he doesn't mention the devil by name in this passage. He doesn't say, hey, let no one when he is tempted blame the devil. He doesn't say that. Why doesn't he say that? James, just tell us, man, make it easy. Well, look at the next verse, verse 14. Here's the issue when it comes to temptation. If you're in a season of temptation, the enemy coming to you, trying to tempt you with certain things, the devil is not your primary issue. Verse 14 tells us what our primary issue is. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. See, this is where we need discernment. We can just shift all the blame to the devil, and that gives us an excuse and a license to sin. Man, the devil's just so powerful, I just couldn't do anything, and I just, I had to do it. I had to sin. Well, James would say, wait, no, no, no. You were enticed, you were allured by the devil because there's something in you that he was able to pull on. 
The picture of this language in, in the Greek language, it's a picture of, of fishing, of a hook and bait. Satan comes to you, he has his hook, he has all his tackle with him, he has a hook, and he puts a fake worm on there. And maybe that worm is pornography. And he says, hey, this is the real thing. This is going to help you. Take it. While he's doing that, you're over here, something in you is triggered. Something in you is like, hmm, I actually want, no, I, I, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't want that. Something in you is in conflict because he put something in front of you. And so you realize your desire is wicked, your desire is evil. It's called the lust of the flesh. So I want to help some of you this morning. If you're being tempted by the devil, we're going to talk about rebuking him, resisting him, all that stuff, but you have to first realize what is in you that he's able to pull on. Why is he able to attract you again and again and again? We can't blame God. God, why are you doing this, God? God's not doing that, right? He doesn't tempt you, but God is trying to help you. Okay, so I want to give us six quick, six quick points on how to respond to temptation, okay? These are going to be really quick because I want to get through this, this message here. When dealing with temptation, it's really important. Write this down. Declare the Word of God through prayer. Okay, that's one of your major, major weapons in your arsenal. Declaring the Word of God with prayer. What did Jesus do when He was tempted? He declared the Word of God. And he tells his disciples, pray that you would not enter into temptation. In other words, develop a prayer life so that when temptation comes, you just don't easily give in and just fall right into it. You need some strength in your spirit. It only comes through prayer. Number two, when temptation comes, take the way of escape. We don't talk about this one enough. 1 Corinthians 13.10, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the, temptation you, um, with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The reason sometimes temptation is so challenging and difficult, it almost feels like you can't do anything but give in, is because you're not taking the way of escape. If your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to sin, if your phone causes you to sin, your iPad, whatever, you got to cut some stuff off. Take the way of escape. Number three, temptation comes, prepare to go nine rounds. In other words, endurance. We, the devil comes knocking one time, we tell him no, and we feel strong. He comes a second time, and we're just like, oh, we just give up. We need endurance. Number four, submit to God and resist. 
right? When temptation comes, don't just start screaming, yelling, saying dumb stuff. Submit to the Lord. Maybe the Lord will give you the game plan on how to navigate temptation. Submit to him first. Resist the devil. In other words, stand your ground. Stop letting the devil push you around. Resist him. Again and again and again through the word, through prayer. Number five, with armor on, stand your ground. We're told to wear our spiritual armor so that you can stand. If you fall down every time temptation comes, it's because you don't have any armor on. You're told to put on the armor so that... And here's the last one, okay? This is the one I want to focus a little bit on for a second. Number six, when temptation comes... Write this down. Crucify your flesh. Remember, temptation comes, it's not all about the devil. There's something in you that he's trying to allure you with. Jesus says in Matthew 16, we know this, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Do you know what he says the verse before that? He tells Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. And he says this about Satan. He says, you're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of men. Do you know Satan is mindful of you? He, th- he thinks about, mm, how can I pull on their flesh today? Let me help them. Let me help feed their flesh. He's mindful of soulish, fleshly things. He's been doing this a long time. He's not mindful of the things of God. He's mindful of the things of the flesh. And so he's trying to allure you with it. But Romans 6 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Galatians 5.24 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How do you crucify your flesh? It's really simple. You tell it no. But for some of us, we don't like telling ourselves no because we want, just want to feed what we want. If you want to crucify your flesh, learn to tell yourself no. What really helps with that, by the way, is a little bit of fasting. But temptation, okay? Some of you, the devil's coming to you. Let's, let's wake up. Let's be aware of his schemes. Let's discern the work of the enemy. But we need to know he's trying to get something that's in you to manifest. But if you crucify it, it'll die. His scheme will no longer work. So God will help you in temptation. Okay, next one. Trials. James chapter 1. Let's look at verse 2. Here's what he says. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into 
various trials. Hold your place there and go over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says this, in this you greatly rejoice. And what he's talking about, he's talking about the living hope we have in Christ. He mentioned it some verses before that. But in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Notice his, his phrase, Peter says it, James says it, various trials. In other words, there are different kinds of trials you and I go through. Some big, some small. Some trials, the, the hand of the enemy is involved. Sometimes it's not. Some trials, it's God initiated it. Sometimes he didn't. But this is where we need to grow in discernment when it comes to the trials you are facing. Here, let me, let me give you an example here. I want to get your feedback. So a trial happens, and we have three options. We can blame the devil, we can blame God, or we can just say it's simply life. For example, your car breaks down. Who are you blaming? A lot of times what we kind of blame the devil. Another one. Your AC goes out in your home. Who's, who's at fault? AC guy. <laughs> Next one. You know, sometimes your kiddos, they act a little crazy. So who's at work there? Parents. <laughs> Next one. Having some marital problems, having some friendship problems, having challenges at work. Maybe you lost your job. There's a death in the family. Some, there's trials. These are what you call various trials. The context is very important to these various trials. And you must have a little bit of discernment in these trials. Here's what we tend to do. We mostly just blame everything on the devil. And sometimes when the kids are acting crazy, it's not the devil, they're just kids. Sometimes the AC went out because you didn't change your filters. Maybe your car broke down because you didn't change the oil. Maybe you're sick because you don't eat healthy. <laughs> to me, it's a sign of, of spiritual immaturity to just simply blame everything on the devil. Because what we're doing is that we're forfeiting our responsibility. We don't want responsibility, right? I, I don't have any money. It's the devil. No, you, you, you didn't get a job. <laughs> you don't have a job. Just, just uh, go, go start applying. We'll, we'll help you, right? 
So I feel like the church at some level, we, we need to realize sometimes it's just life, right? I'm in a season, I have three small children, there's trials, and I'm, right now it's under the category, life's just happening. Kids are doing this, this happens, that breaks, we got to pay for this, we got to pay for that. It's life. I don't, I don't feel like the, it's the devil. God's not really revealing anything to me about what he's trying to do. It's just life. We need to leave a little bit of room for things like that. Is that okay, church? Right? Because we're going to go through various trials, and we need a little bit of discernment. We need to be, show some maturity. But I will say this. No matter what trial you go through, we have a shepherd. We have a leader. And your trial may be very minuscule. It may be like nothing. But you know that he actually will walk with you. He wants to. Or you may have a trial that's extremely difficult. You're wondering where he's at. Beloved, he's with you. He walks with you through the valley, over the mountain. He walks with you. So a couple of things here. How to respond to trials. Write this down. Number one, you need to renew your mind. Okay, 1 Peter 4.2, he says this. Beloved, do not think... It's strange concerning the fiery trials that try you, as though something strange were happening. When you go through trials, do not lose your mind. Keep your mind intact, right? Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might know what is the good, acceptable, pleasing will of God. There is going to be spiritual warfare in your mind when you come to trials. It's going to be carnal thoughts that pop up in your mind when you're in trials. You need to renew your mind according to the word of God. You are who God says you are. He is who he says he is. That doesn't change. Number two, in this passage, James, he says, when you go through various trials, what's he say? He says, count it. All the joy. I remember when Julie was, was sharing, when they lost their daughter, that was the verse God spoke to you. Guys, that's powerful and challenging. As Christians, our perspective, our worldview is no matter what we go through, there should be a measure of joy because, not because of the situation, but because the Lord is with us. He really is who he says he is. And we get to experience that in trials. Therefore, there's a measure of joy released to us. Right? We know that God works all things together for good. Or do we not know? We should know. Okay? Number three. Okay, number three. This is something that um, we need to leave room for. Okay? In 1 Peter 1. Verse 6, let's read it again. In this you greatly rejoice, though for now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Some trials are going to be so difficult that you will actually have to grieve your way through. As a community... 
I want to say you have permission to grieve. You have permission to experience heartbreak when you go through various trials. I know there's been a handful of them that have happened in the past couple months or so. Grieving is good. It is healthy. To me, it is a mark of spiritual maturity. Sometimes we think, oh, I, I never show emotion, never cry, never grieve. I'm mature. No, no, I would say you're, you're probably a little spiritually immature if you, you, don't, you don't show emotion. For, ex- for example, think about this. Why did Jesus weep? I mean, he's the son of God. He knows everything. It's all going to be good, right? Why is he crying? He was in tune. He was in touch with reality. God doesn't live in this world of fake that we create. God lives in reality, and if your heart is broken, it's okay for you to feel that. I think about some of the emotions that you should experience in grieving. Love. When you've suffered loss, there should be a sense of love because you cared. Sadness. When you experience loss, you're going to be sad. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. A third one. Anger. You're going to ask why. You won't understand. You're going to have to wrestle with God. You're going to feel anger. And the fourth one. Joy. You're going to remember. You're going to have good thoughts about someone you may have lost. Those are some of the ingredients to grieving well and beloved. As a church, right, this is, this is totally normal. This isn't strange. This isn't abnormal. This isn't, oh, you're just a spiritual infant. You're a, you're a weak believer. To me, that is a sign of maturity, of being in touch with what's going on in here. I also think it's important, too, to grieve alone with God and to grieve in community. When you grieve alone with God, do you know he grieves with you? He feels with you. He's with you in those moments. And then when you grieve in community, hopefully you have a couple of brothers and sisters who can mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. I believe as a church, we are getting better and better at this. This is good, this is healthy. This is healthy community. Number four, all right, when you are going through trials, listen and learn from those who have gone before you. Okay, if you are in your 20s, 30s, or younger, beloved, we need to learn and listen from those who have gone before us. We can't act like we know it all. There are some folks in this church who have been through some things, and they have some really, really good wisdom. I'm going to move on. Number five, going through trials, you need to get some grit in you. It's going to be difficult. We are told to endure hardship. Paul tells Timothy, as a good soldier, get some grit in you. 
Don't let the world or your emotions and everything just push you around and you're just like water, just whichever way the wind blows, you go. There's going to be times where you need to get stabilized and steadfast. I remember a couple of years ago, I asked my grandpa before I was early on in ministry and hadn't really been through a lot. And I asked him, I said, hey, grandpa, he's been in ministry over 40 years. And I was like, hey, what, what advice would you give to a young man like me? And he said, uh, quiet for a moment and he said don't be easily discouraged and he said that and honestly my my first response was like eh that's he's given me better wisdom than that before but that was all before I I had been through a couple things you hit a little bit of trials you go through a little more life and you realize Sometimes as a church, I'm just going to say, we are easily discouraged. Why? We need to get some grit in us. Life is going, the AC is going to go down, right? The car is going to break. The kids are just going to be a little whatever. Get some grit in you. It's life. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame God. It's just life. It's the, we're, we live in a fallen world. Stuff's going to happen. Somebody's going to cut you off when you're driving. Is that the devil? Is that God? It's life. Stuff happens. We need to balance out in this just a little bit. Get some grit in us. Toughen up. Get some thick skin. Keep a tender heart. Is that okay? Okay, last one. Testings. Okay, there are times... And maybe this is the time God comes to you and he is the one. He's going to test you. Go to Genesis 22. This is a beautiful example. Genesis 22. Abraham is tested, right? This wasn't the devil, right? He's not blaming the devil. It's not just life just happens. God comes to you and I at certain times and seasons And he wants to measure our love. He wants to measure our trust. He wants to measure our obedience. He wants to see what's really on the inside. Genesis 22, verse 1, it said, Now it came to pass after these things that the devil tested, oh, wait, wait, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. God usually will test you concerning something you love. You love money. You love your your calling. You love your career. He will come and test those very things. The son whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And so we know he goes where the Lord called him to, ascends the mountain, go down to verse 10. Isaac, he's, he's following through with full obedience to the Lord. It says, he stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, this is a Christophany. This is Christ appearing through the, in the Old Testament. 
called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I mean, it's interesting. God said to Abraham, now I know. Do you think God was, didn't know? Like, was God unsure what Abraham's going to do? God knew. He knows all things. This word know is a really interesting word. It, it carries some kind of connotations of experience. So what God is saying, he's like, Abraham, I've heard you say you love me, and I've heard you say you'll obey me, but I actually wanted to experience your obedience. I wanted to actually experience your love. You say it all the time, and I really appreciate that. You worship extravagantly. It's great. I love it. But there are certain times and seasons where God comes to you, and he wants to experience how much you really do love him. Are you really willing to pay the price to follow him? Will you choose comfort, convenience, or are you willing to make a sacrifice for the Lord? So two, two ways to respond when it comes to testing. The first response when it comes to testing, if God is testing you, very simple, obey at all cost. Obey at all cost. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. First John, he says, the Lord's commands are not burdensome. If we love God, we will obey him at any cost. And the second point is, I have found, I've done this before. When God was dealing with me, when he was testing me and trying me, I found myself, I would, I would actually avoid him. And you know who did a good job of that? Was Jonah. God came to Jonah and said, hey, Jonah, I have a little test for you. I want you to preach the word to Nineveh. And what's Jonah do? I mean, this is in, in chapter 1, verse 3. And the, book, he, the book just started. Verse 3, here's what it says. Chapter 1, just started. Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Here's, here's my point. When God comes to test you, don't run away from God. Run to him. Jonah literally, it says he ran from the presence of the Lord. Sometimes what we do is that we just run to our friends to look for a little bit of comfort. That, that's not going to work. You need to run to the secret place. You need to get down and say, God, I don't want to do this. Something in me is resisting. Would you help get that thing out of me? You will not find it. I'm telling you, I've tried. You won't find comfort anywhere when God comes to you to test you. When he's coming to measure your love, your obedience, and your trust, there, there's, there's no hope elsewhere. You actually have to go back to him and work it out and wrestle it out. Don't run away from him.
So, there's been temptations, there's been trials, there's been testings in this body. There will continue to be these very things. But I want you to know, I'm very confident that the Lord will finish the work he has started. That he actually does work all things together for good for the, to those who love him. We have to believe that. We have to trust that. We have to know that. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.